We've been in um, our Read Your Bible series in the book of Psalms, and I pray that this series has been an encouraging series to you, and that you've taken a step to actually read your Bible, right? I mean, that's the whole point of the series. And, and, and not just to read your Bible in your old, same-fashioned way, but to read your Bible in a fresh, new way that God just reveals things to you as you have been reading. Now, I love, 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 and adore the Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. I think it's a great, uh, I think it's a, it's a great book. Let me explain why, okay? Uh, maybe it's because when I was growing up, maybe my family, you know, our family used to read it together as we're growing up. Or, or it's because, you know, my mom used to make me write out the Psalms as a fifth grader <laughs> for me to learn English, okay? And to, you know, have to fix my chicken scratch a little bit, which it didn't fix it, by the way. I, mine still looks like a chicken scratch. Um, but I think it worked out well, all right? As a fifth grader, it was torture. But I, I look back on it, I'm like, you know what? That was pretty healthy for me. Um, but as I grew older and kind of wiser, and as I, more, as I studied more and read the Psalms a little bit more and really studied it, I began to realize why I love it, why I love the Psalms. And here's why. You know how sometimes, you know, when, you, when you're with your friends and you're trying to explain a story, but you just can't really get the words out? You know what I'm talking about, right? When you're trying to, like, explain something that happened, you're like, this happened, and you just kind of get stumbled upon but then you have that one friend who comes in and just eloquently just finishes a story for you and how you pictured it in your head. You know what I'm talking about? That's the Psalms for me. The Psalms really captures what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to convey to God as I talk to God in, in, my, in my own personal time with God. And, and to, to me, Psalms is an awesome friend. Here are a couple of examples, okay? <clears throat> when I'm overwhelmed, this Psalm comes to my mind. Psalm 61, 1 through 2. Oh God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. Doesn't that just kind of make you breathe a little bit? For your, you're my, uh, keep going. Is that it? Oh, yeah. For you, no, yeah, that was it. Okay, so doesn't this just kind of make you breathe a little bit and just kind of be like, ah? How about this? When, we, when I don't have the words of repentance, Psalm 51, 7 through 12 comes to my mind. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Created me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast within me, spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit, uh, grant me a, a willing spirit to sustain me. Just so perfect in the way that it captures the unspoken word and the spoken word of our hearts in our soul, and our flesh. And that's what the Holy Scripture does. The very word that is breathed by God, it teaches, it rebukes, it corrects, and it, it trains us in righteousness so that we may be trained up to do good work, to be equipped to do good work. That's from 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. Not only that this word, it comforts, right? It gives peace. It gives encouragement. It heals. 
and so much more. So my prayer for you today as you're listening here, as you're listening online, my prayer for you today is that after you've listened to the sermon, is that you would have experienced the goodness of God. That you would have tasted it and seen the goodness of God in this very word. And have grown to love the word just a little bit more. So far we've looked into the praise psalms, the royal psalms, the lament psalms. And, and first week, Pastor Chris challenged us in, in praise psalms that our praise isn't circumstantial. That it, it, it's not conditional, right? It, our praise does not change with the circumstances of life. And then our friend Randy dove deep into the understanding of the nature and the person of God in the royal psalms and the imprecatory psalms. And then last week... Pastor Don invited us in understanding what lament psalms are, right? There are individual and communal laments, uh, psalms of lament, and then there's that lament is not just about the emotions, but it's about the posture. And if you miss any of these sermons, they're online, so I encourage you to go back and listen to them. Today we're ending, with, we're ending our series with what's called wisdom psalms. When I say the word wisdom... What comes to your mind? When I say the word wisdom, what comes to your mind? Just shout it out. Solomon, Solomon okay. I hear a lot of mumbles. Right? So here are some pictures. Wisdom, right? Books. I mean, it's, books are wisdom, correct? How about this? How about this next picture? Old people, all right? So, <laughs> I love you, old people. I love all the others in here. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying that you have more wisdom than any of us in here, okay? Um, the wrinkles, inside the wrinkles, there's wisdom in it, right? And we got to look for it and just kind of open it up and be like, no, I'm sorry. All right, your wrinkles are great, sorry. So, so wisdom and just listening to their life stories, right? Listening to their life stories and hearing them by the fireside and, and just kind of wisdom pouring out. Well, I hate to shatter it that idea of what wisdom is to you, but um, it's really not wisdom. It's really not. It's not just bunch, reading a bunch of books, or it's not listening to the stories of the old, right? Sure, we can gain some theoretical concepts and, and have uh, pursue intellect within them, or, or have a better grasp of philosophy of what life is all about. But through these books and, and these long stories, they're not really wisdom. Wisdom is so much more than that. See, wisdom is maturation of one's behavior and conduct. Wisdom is maturation of one's behavior and conduct. Let me put it to you in the most simple way possible of what holistic wisdom is, okay? Let's say that you're walking around the house or your workplace or whatever it is that you're doing and you find a piece of trash. All right? That's a piece of trash. Okay, but this is unused, by the way, all right? For those of you wondering. This is a piece of trash right here. For you and I, we've been taught since grade school, since we can talk and walk, from our parents, from our families, from our education system, that if you find trash, where does it belong? In the trash can or garbage can, depends on which area of the United States you're from that you like to say. All right? Furthermore, if we've been taught right, even if it's not ours, where does it belong? Still in the trash can. Like we pick it up and we put it in the trash can. See, we have that intellect, we have that knowledge, but that's only half of the wisdom. The other half is about how 
you go about knowing this wisdom of putting it into the trash can and how you practice on it and how you act on it, right? For those who choose to put this intellect into practice in one's behavior and conduct, that wisdom is now a holistic wisdom. It's a whole wisdom now, maturing as a person. But for those who choose not to put this intellect into practice in one's behavior and conduct and just intentionally ignores it, it's a foolish person, thus staying immature. This very idea of holistic wisdom, is, it's even true in our spiritual lives. The Hebrew word for wisdom is hokmah. Hokmah. I know it looks like chokmah, but it's not chokmah, all right? It's, it's hokmah, all right? Hokmah, in the simplest term, is knowledge plus obedience. Knowledge plus obedience. Obedience. You can't just have one of the two and call it wisdom. You can't just have knowledge and call it wisdom. You can have all if you know you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't actually practice and you don't actually put that intellect into obedience and actually doing it, you are a foolish person. Let me let me bring it closer to home. You can have all the knowledge of the Bible, all of it, all the commands in here, you know it by heart, and all of it. But if you don't obey it and put it into practice, it's not called wisdom. That's a foolish person. It's knowledge plus obedience. There are many, I mean, I'm talking about many wisdom psalms. If you just put that up there real quick, here are all the wisdom psalms. Just take a picture of it if you want to go through it in your own time. I'll put that up there for a little bit. And revisit it in your own quiet time and revisit it this week. But today we're going to dive deep into Psalm 1. We're going to stay at Psalm 1. So let's dive right in. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 1. Um, this whole book of Psalms starts with a wisdom psalm. Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. Psalm 1 sets the tone for the whole Psalter. It sets the tone for the whole Psalter. It's an introduction, basically, to the rest of of the Psalms. So let's read it together. Let's read Psalm 1 together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the, in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. We're going to be focusing on verses 1 and 2 this morning. Just verses 1 and 2 this morning. Right off the bat, it clearly gives off two subjects that reoccur throughout the Psalms. The righteous the blessed and the wicked. The blessed and the wicked. And if you read throughout the Psalms, that's actually, that's it. There's no middle ground. Like, there's the blessed and then there's the wicked. So Psalm begins with these words. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. See, it begs, it begs to address the most basic question of humanity that has ever lived, that are living, you and I right now, and that will ever live. And it's this question. How can I be blessed in this life? 
most basic question of all humanity. How can I be blessed in this life? Every single one of us in here have asked that question in one point or another. Whether that question was asked in a time of crisis or whether that question was sitting by the window on a rainy day and you're like just kind of pondering upon things, right? We've all pondered on it. For many of you sitting right here and listening online, the solution to this question may be money or success. Or it may be health. Or it may be family life. Or it may be peace. For students and the young adults in here, the solution to this question right now, it may be school success, academic success, or maybe it's acceptance in this culture, or it may be freedom, or it may be being wanted. But before we even seek out to the answer and our solution to this blessed life, I believe that we have to be honest, or, honest and ask ourselves, am I living a life of obedience? Because again, that's the second part of wisdom, right? That's the second part of wisdom. Am I living a life of obedience? Yes, God wants us to be blessed and, and be happy. I mean, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, we're God's children. We're, we're adopted into his family. Of course he wants us to be happy and blessed. He's our heavenly father. But he wants us to be more obedient before more than anything. Let's look at verse 1 again together. Let's read verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners, uh, sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. There are three verbs that are involved in this case. Walk, stand, and sit. Walk, stand, and sit. Blessed is the one who does not walk with the wicked. This word walk in Hebrew means this, to go along with, follow a course of action, or to live or follow a way of life. See, some of us in here, we are walking alongside of godlessness with fully knowing that it isn't right. Blessed is the one who does not sit in the company of mockers. This word in Hebrew means, the sit means it's to dwell, to remain, to abide. Some of us in here, we've been, we, we become so comfortable and, and have, have settled down with the worldly patterns. The word stand, it means to stop and to be firm. And some of us in here have been influenced by, and we, now we stand firm with the wicked and become more involved. I'm not pointing fingers here because we're all guilty of walking, standing, and sitting with this world when God has called us to be set apart, to be holy. Here's a paraphrased quote from a Gallup Pulse. Comparing the lifestyle of churched and unchurched showed little difference in the way they lived their lives. Let that sink in for a minute. Compare, comparing the lifestyle of the church and the unchurched showed little difference in the way they lived their lives. We've become so comfortable in our religion of going to church in and out for an hour or two every Sunday in and out that, that we treat church like an event, like a baseball game, or we treat church like a concert. It's another thing to do, another thing on our schedule. Sunday morning is church. Which consequently, when we treat it like that, it bleeds into our spiritual lives. It bleeds into our everyday lives. That reading the Bible becomes just another thing to do. 
that spending time with Jesus becomes another thing to do. If we think that Sunday morning is enough to get through the week and to get filled up again like a gas station, then we are so wrong. We are so wrong. So it's not a surprise when I read this quote that the polls show that there's no difference in the lifestyle between the church and the unchurched. Jesus did not come from his throne of kingship to be with us and to dwell with us, to die on the cross and to raise, be raised from the dead in three days so that we can live a mediocre life. He didn't. There is so much more to this life of following Jesus than mere Sunday mornings. Here's something interesting. This word blessed in Hebrew, it means ashar. It's, it means to go straight, go forward, set right, to not proceed in the way of evil men. Hebrew people saw two types, two types of paths. One straight one, and the second one was a crooked one. The straight one was easy to follow from point A to point B. The second one, the crooked path, was longer and filled with distractions and, and, and temptations and filled with things that will hurt you and that can, you can become easily lost in. Everyone knew this in the Hebrew culture. So what David here in Psalm 1 is trying to convey in this verse is the fact that if we want to be called the blessed ones, we are to walk in a straight path that leads to God directly who is holy. This is your choice. You can choose a straight path or you can choose a crooked path. Your family can't choose that for you. I can't choose that for you. Your children can't choose that for you. The pastors here can't choose that for you. You have to make that choice. To be set apart from the rest of the world. And dare I say, to be set apart from this Western church culture. So the question remains is how? Verse 2 answers that for us. Let's read it together. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. I love that word delight. Uh, Doesn't that just wake you up a little bit? Right, delight. You know what the word delight reminds me of? The Folgers jingle. I know some of you already sang it in your heads, okay? <laughs> How does it go? The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Yeah, you, will, you all know that. All right. Doesn't it just make you smile a little bit? Right? It's just like, oh, that's so delightful. That's awesome. I just want coffee now, right? It's just like, you just, it just makes you smile. Want to know the secret to a life of being blessed? It's this right here. This right here. It's delighting in this very word. Delighting in it. When we unpack the word delight, it includes the idea of pleasure, satisfaction, desire. See, we can try to get pleasure, satisfaction, and desire from the world, just as it's in verse 1. But those will fade away. It's so temporary. It will leave us empty. But when we take pleasure and satisfaction and desire and yearn for this word, we prosper and we're blessed. The word should make you smile even more than the Folgers jingle. The word should give you some butterflies in your stomach as you're reading it because it's so good. 
So let me ask you, church. When was the last time you actually hungered and you thirsted for the word of God that it actually hurt you physically? When was the last time that you could not go a minute without reading his word? Here's the thing. If you take pleasure and satisfaction through books, quotes that are from scripture, movies, songs, media, the news, the podcast, hobbies, culture, money, success, acceptance, whatever it is that you spend your most time on, time on more than this word of God, then we need to repent. We do need to repent. Because what I just said is so temporary compared to the eternal life that we have with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy your podcasts. I'm not saying that at all. Do enjoy them, okay? Because there's some great podcasts, podcasts out there. Do enjoy success because it's something that God has blessed you with. Do enjoy these things. But what I'm saying is that this must take priority before those things. We're called to, we're instructed to delight in his word. Not only are we instructed to delight in his word, but we are to meditate on it. Let's read verse 2 again. But whose, del- but whose delight, the blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Day and night. Delight and meditate must go together. They're not separate from each other. They have to go together. See, this word meditate has such a negative connotation in, in the church culture today, or as some of our students say, it's got a negative vibe on it, right? So it's, it's, it does. It really does. Because maybe it's because we associate it with a uh, monk going up to the mountains and sitting under the waterfall for 50 years, right, and with the cross-legged and humming, right? We kind of have that in our minds, and at one point or another, that, that's what meditation is. Or, truth be told, Maybe it's because we don't actually practice meditation. Or that teach meditation in the church enough that we have no idea how to do it, how to meditate. In Hebrew, this word, this word meditate means haga. It means to moan, to growl, to utter, to mutter, and speak. To utter, mutter, and speak. This is the same word used in Joshua 1.8. It says this, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Both Joshua 1.8 and Psalm 1 instructs us to meditate on this word day and night. It involves us thinking about this word, the word of God, 24-7. It involves us constantly having a mental conversation with God and talking to him for 24 Four, seven. This is what it means to abide, to dwell, and to sit in the word. And those who delight and those who meditate on his word are called the blessed ones. So, how do we delight and meditate in the word? We do it through what's called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina in Latin is for divine reading. If this is the first time ever hearing Lectio Divina, fantastic. I am so glad you're here. So glad you're here. 
Lectio Divina is a must in our spiritual lives. You see, there's so many ways of studying the Bible, right? There are many, many different methods of studying the Bible. There's inductive Bible study. There is scripture verse mapping, topical Bible study, chapter analysis, and the one that we've been kind of going upon is so fantastic. You all know it. You guys are listening. Great. All right, SOAP stands for scripture, observation, application, prayer. Okay, I love you guys. Thank you. All right. But these, these are all phenomenal things. These are great tools. They're great things to have in hand to study and to grow in Scripture. Do learn these things and utilize them. Have these tools on hand to learn how to read the Bible and to learn how to study the Scriptures. But all these methods that I just I said, it requires us to do. It requires us to analyze and research, get our, open up our Bibles, put our highlighter out, get our journals and start writing it down, open up a browser on our iPad or wherever it is that you browse on, and then you start researching on different verses, be like, oh, how does this verse correlate to this verse? And we, we do. We, we do. But when was the last time that you were just present with the Word of God? You were just present with the word of God. Just in God's presence without agenda. Being still and being humble and listening to his voice. You see, Lectio Divina gives us a space to do that. To breathe in his word and to breathe out his word. Lectio Divina is, is the practice of marinating in a short passage of Scripture. It enables us to slow down and just be with His Word. Reading the Scripture slowly, then rereading it slowly, then rereading it slowly. While we do this, we invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Here's a quote from Curate Ministries. This is a spiritual formation ministry whose focus is on spiritual direction. When we meditate upon God's Word in this practice, we don't just think and only use our intellect or our mind. Rather, we bring our whole selves to God in Lectio Divina. Our mind, our body, soul, heart, desire, relationships, questions, fear, insecurities. We wait quietly for God to speak, and we allow God's word to take root in us, to become a part of how we pray and how we live. With our lives driven so much by events, Work, church culture, school schedule, just schedule in general, children, children, right? <laughs> just children, right? I, we love you children, but it's, it's a busy schedule, all right? It is filled with noises and distractions constantly. We're being bombarded left, we're being bombarded right. But here's the thing, our lives weren't created to be busy, our lives weren't created to be filled with noises. See, we were created to, be, to abide in Jesus, to dwell in him. See, we were created to have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus, to be completely submitted and surrendered to the cross, to have Jesus not just as a Savior, but as our Lord, to be transformed and to be renewed, to be still and just be. Just be. That is the purpose and the calling that we were here on this earth. 
Everything else that we do is a byproduct of that. Let me read you a quote from a writer at Greenhouse Collective regarding Lectio Divina. They're a ministry that focuses on cultivating and nurturing the spiritual journey. I love this quote. The passages we read in Scripture aren't just for us to study, dissect, interpret meaning from. They are true stories that were once lived by actual human beings with flesh and bones and emotions and personality. It's history. It's rich, complex, and interwoven together. However, Sometimes when I'm reading the Gospels or hearing them proclaimed from the pulpit, I forget. I deflate and reduce the words as they enter through me, through me, more of a feeding tube, rather than actually tasting them over and over again with enjoyment and discovery. The Gospels were not gifted to us to simply be consumed. They're written to be tasted. That's why the church encourages the practice of Lectio Divina, where we have the opportunity to chew on the Word of God slowly so that He might reveal a new flavor to us. If you want that quote, come see me afterwards. So here's how we're going to end the series today. Here's how we're going to end the series today. We're going to chew and taste this sweeter than honey Word of God through Lectio Divina. We're all going to do it today, together. If this is foreign to you, it's completely okay. It is totally okay. It's like riding a bicycle. Were you ever comfortable when you were riding a bicycle first time? No! It was hard and sometimes stupid and uncomfortable and scary. But as you learn how to ride a bicycle, what happens? There's freedom and there's joy in riding a bicycle. And there's freedom and joy in reading the Word as well. As we learn to do this. For those of you who are watching online, do this with us. Sit in the living with your families and do this with us. We will be reading from Psalm 34, 1 through 8. This will be up on the screen, but I want you, okay, this is also a wisdom psalm, by the way. All right, but I'll have the scripture on screen, but I want you to, if you have your own Bibles, open it up. Open it up to Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. All right, if you have an electronic copy, open it up on your phone. I need, I need everyone to do this. Everybody in here. If you can't read that, then do it on your phone. If you can read that, fantastic, because you have great eyesight. I can't read that. All right? <laughs> but I just want you to take a little bit of time. All right? Once you have opened it up to the passage, set it to the side. Don't touch it. Set it to the side. Do not touch your phone. Do not touch your Bible. All right? Just set it to the side. The version on the screen is from the New Living Translation. Here's how we're going to practice Lectio Divina. Okay, here's how we're going to do it. And I'm going to do it with you guys as I get this chair. I forgot to get it earlier. <clears throat> here's how we're going to do it. First, we're going to get ready and silence ourselves. Okay? Second, we're going to read the passage slowly out loud. S uh, third, we're going to read the passage again slowly out loud. And fourth, we're going to read the passage again slowly and out loud. Lastly, we're going to rest. Okay? I'll give you the instructions as we go along in these steps. I pray that this Lectio Divina uh, exercise that we're doing this morning, they will open up your eyes to see the goodness of who God is. That's my prayer for you this morning as I was preparing and whatnot. To taste it. And to not just taste it, but to discover it. To have that new flavor in your, in your system and be like, 
This is the word of God. It's so good. So let me pray for us before we get started. Abba, we come before you this morning as we are going to meditate on your word. As we're going to just chew and taste your word. So God, for those of us who are feeling awkward or uncomfortable, God, I pray that you would give them peace and you would open up their hearts. God, for those of us who are are ready to receive, God, just pour your blessing upon them. God, let your Holy Spirit fill this place right now to speak to us in a fresh, new flavor way to discover you a little bit more. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to get ready. Ready by getting comfortable in your seats. Okay? Just get comfortable. Put your feet flat to the ground. And just steady your breathing. Just slowly breathe in deep. Breathe out deep. All right? Just slow your breath. And you can close your eyes if you want to. Okay? And whatever it is holding that in your hands right now, whether it's phone, Bible, coffee cup, whatever it is, just kind of put it to the side. All right? Just put it to the side. Don't touch it. And begin to quiet your thoughts. Just quiet it. You're not going to think about where you're going to go eat afterwards. Okay? You're not going to think about what errands that needs to get done today. You're just going to sit in stillness. And you're just going to be present. And you're just going to ask God to meet you during this time of prayer and silence. And we're going to do that for a moment. Second, get your Bibles out. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8, slowly and out loud. And when you read this out loud, it's, it's not who can read the loudest, okay? We know that Pastor Matt has the loudest voice in here. We get that, all right? But just enough for you to hear your own voice. Just enough to hear your own voice. You remember that what meditation literally means, right? It means to growl, to utter, to mutter, right? to speak. And this is what that is. And when you're reading it, listen for any word or phrase that catches your attention. But focus on each and every word that you're reading carefully when you're reading it slowly. Don't just consume. 
It's not how much you can eat in, in, in five minutes, okay? It, it's chew and taste it. Go at your own pace. Don't pay attention to what your neighbor is doing, okay? It's not, this is not the Indy 500, all right? Don't just consume, but chew and taste it. I'm going to turn my mic off so that you know you're not hearing my voice, all right? You can just hear your own voice. So let's, let's start reading. Third, we're going to reread it again. But this time, while reading it slowly, and after you've done reading it, you're going to spend some time reflecting upon the word or phrase that is just standing out to you. Let it sink into your heart and allow God to speak to you. Be sensitive to any emotions or memories that are stirred up. So in the same fashion as we did in the second step, we're going to read it again. So let's read it together and spend some time reflecting afterwards.
forth, we're going to reread it again in the same fashion. And after reading it, you're going to respond in prayer. Dialogue with God. Talk with Him. What feelings do you have? What is God speaking to you of the struggles and the longing in your life? What is God inviting you through this passage? Let his love and grace and mercy, wisdom meet you there. So for the last time, let's read it again. And then after, spend some time talking with God. And lastly, we rest. We're going to close our eyes and just be. And just be still. Resting in his presence. No words necessary. Just be. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So for a moment, just take a time to rest. Abba, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. God, help us 
in this life that is so busy and filled with noises. And to not just do, but to be in your presence and to be still. God, help us to discover who you are more in a new flavor. God, in this consumer culture, God, we do it with your word too. God, we don't want to consume, but we want to chew and taste and see that you are good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.